Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of uh, the Business Book Podcast. I have with me today Allison Jones, who just, uh, is it just now two months or three months, Allison, that uh, your new book, This Book Means Business, came out? Yeah, about three months ago now, Derek. Yeah, and uh, if uh, some of you have been following um, either one of us on on uh, Twitter, you've seen that uh, I had a bit of a, a snafu with with Amazon. So I've been following Allison for uh, for a while, and as soon as she made her book available for pre-order on Amazon, I jumped on and uh, pre-ordered it. I uh, like to pretend, or like to think that I was uh, one of the very first. But um, as so often happens to us pioneers, Amazon went through this whole debacle of uh, the 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 um, release date kept. Um, moving forward, and I thought that maybe you know Allison was putting the you know final tweaks on it, and um, but after that happened three or four times, I, I said I don't know something on Twitter about you know looking forward to getting the book whenever you know it finally ships, and she said, well Derek, I, I've, there are people I've had for you know I've had the book for over a month now. So, <laughs> That's the, that's so the second mover advantage yeah. they call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it did turn out actually to be an advantage um, for me because Amazon was so apologetic. The first time I went uh, to them, they actually uh, gave me credit for um, another book, and then I went to the, back to them again, and they gave me credit for another book, and then the book actually shipped. So I have four books for the price of one. Awesome. I, I enjoyed that. I, I said, okay, if they're going to mess up, um, they can mess up like that. That works for me. Yeah, at least they put it right. They, they might be uh, disorganized, but at least their customer service is good. Yeah, they were they were really nice about it. Um, but one of the reasons that I, or the reason, I guess, that I was so excited and that I jumped on the pre-order as soon as it was available is because um, – in this genre, in, in, in thought leadership books and business books, we don't have a lot of, of resources. Um, there are plenty of books out there for people who want to write uh, you know, novels or if they want to write their memoirs or if they want to write fiction or sci-fi or romance or crime thrillers. But for one of the largest genres, um, there are incredibly few resources out there. So I was thrilled. Whenever I saw um, Allison creating this resource to um, to add to the the greater community, so first of all, thank you, Allison, because I know how much work goes into creating a a book like this, personally and professionally, and I uh, appreciate you taking the the time to take all of your um, all of that knowledge and expertise and put it into a book to share with a, a wider audience. Well, well, thank you for the thank you. Uh, I can honestly say it was it was a pleasure. I, I loved putting that book together. Okay, so that is not um, usually the, the 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 story I hear. Most people love having finished putting it together. <laughs> Very few actually enjoy the process. So, what made it so enjoyable? What's the secret there? Well, one big secret, I think, was that, uh, and it's funny, isn't it? Your memory plays funny tricks. I remember all the joy of writing this book, and now I think about it more closely. There were some pretty grim times, too. And I remember about, <laughs> about 18 months in when I was just getting nowhere fast, um, I started the Extraordinary Business Book Club podcast. And I started it entirely for the reason that I just knew I wasn't going to do this myself. So I, I went public and I said, I'm writing this book and I'm going to interview these people and get their thoughts and so on. And and that way I have to do it because I've told everybody I'm doing it and it worked like a charm. (laughs) (laughs) And it's become such a huge part of my life now, but genuinely it started just as a way of getting the damn book written. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, whatever works. And apparently that really worked for you because it's a, it's a fine book. Um, And you, so you, you started the extraordinary business book, um, uh, podcast because you wanted to write this book. So that made you have a platform and kind of gave you a, um, you've, you've told the world that this is what you're doing. And so now you've got to actually do it or, or you wind up with, with a go with egg on your face. Right. <laughs> 
Well, exactly. And to be honest with you, it's very much walking the talk as well. So all the, the book is, is really about how the, the period while you're writing your business book is such a fertile time for, for growing your business as well. So, you know, it, it, it's talking about writing the book. The second half of the book is all about writing and how to just, you know, get the damn thing done. But the first half is is much more strategic. So it's it's talking about, you know, wh- where's your business going? Because let's let's plan your book in the context of that. <laughs> uh, and also growing your, your platform and your network and also yourself. And so that bit about growing your platform, um, I think, you know, the time when you're you're going out there and you're saying to the world, I'm writing a book on this topic. I'm doing research. I'm having original thoughts. You, you kind of shift your place in the world. And the podcast was part of that. It's part of me kind of putting a, you know, a stake in the ground and saying, I am, I am a thought leader on, on business books and, and publishing. I've been publishing all my life and business books, you know, specifically. And do you know what? I'm going to lead the conversation and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to get the best people on my podcast and, you know, and just like you do, Derek. <laughs> and that was, um, it, it turned into this real great platform builder. And then of course, when you launch the book, you've got people who are A, going to shout about it because they were guests on the show and they're quoted in it. And B, are already engaged and listening to the stuff that you're doing because they subscribe to the podcast and then they can't wait to buy the book. So it's, um, it's kind of virtuous circle. So there's there's two things in there that I'd love to 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 point out. Um, one is that your your book, like you said, the part one, is really about it, before you even begin writing the book, it's about creating all the the assets and the and the platform that um, that that need to be there to to support the book and vice versa. And then you just told us how you actually did that yourself. So in the process of writing the book, you created the platform so that the book had something to, um, to, to build on versus building on top of the, of the book. So there have been, there have been a number of, of authors that, um, you know, I'll talk to, okay, well, you know, once you're finished with your, with your book, what do you plan to, to do with it? Oh, I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. I mean, so that's, I'm, I'm, I applaud their desire to, uh, to to write the book, and I believe that they absolutely should. But uh, I like your approach, Allison, because it's much more purposeful, right? It's not just writing a, a book. It's writing a book for a, a purpose with, a, with an aim and a goal. Yeah. And I think it's really important that you step back before you start to, to lean in and write and just say, well, hang on a minute, you know, where am I going personally and professionally? Because so many people start from what they know and they say, oh, I've got this content that I could turn into a book, which is which is great. But if it's not going to move you forward to where you want to be, then you know it's it's a it's a big job writing a book. And and it you know you want to use it to really take you forward to where you want to go in the future. And so taking the time to think about that is is I think massively important. And then an awful lot of people treat their book as a sort of side project. So they, they lock themselves away in their room and write their book and and then they kind of launch it on an unsuspecting world and Oh, you know, big surprise. Nobody's that interested because there's a lot of books out there and you need a reason to care. So I think it's about giving people that that awareness, that reason to care, getting them intrigued and invested in the book before you actually launch it. Yeah. And so you you just given us a, a beautiful meta narrative of of how you, you did that. You created the the podcast and, and uh, involved all these people in this in this network. So they already had your book already had kind of a, a family to welcome it whenever it came into the world, versus coming to the world as uh, well as, as almost uh, an orphan as as so many business authors do. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really nice metaphor. It did, and it did feel like that. And it was, it was lovely. I remember sending out the, um, you know, the, the book, the publication announcement to all the podcast guests, and and you know, sort of getting them to share it with their their tribes. And I got lovely messages back. One of which I won't quote the guy actually, but he just said, "Congratulations!" And if I may say so, about bloody time. <laughs> it was, <true>. it was, <laughs> it was sort of like having your brother comment on it. You know, it did feel like a family thing. <laughs> Oh, that's that's nice. That's fun. Well, okay. So in that context, no wonder writing the book felt in, enjoyable, um, because it was really it was more about the, um, I guess the people on on the journey than um, uh, is what you're, you're saying made it such a, an enjoyable thing to to create versus just sitting down and, and writing its itself, which is whenever you're writing for yourself is is quite painful. 
It, it is. And it's very hard. It's very easy to kind of get solipsistic about it, where I was never allowed to do that. I did notice, though, in the writing, there were kind of two phases. Well, maybe three. So I had the the interviews and I'm an extrovert. You know, I, I get my energy from bouncing off other people. I, you know, I, I get my ideas as I'm talking to people and I'm articulating and I'm, oh, huh, that's what I think. <laughs> so, so that was great. That was the raw material, if you like. And then I would blog about what we discussed and the ideas that were coming to me and, and, you know, what that meant for you writing a business book. Uh, and that would go out and, you know, be part of my content platform. Uh, and then I'd sort of drop those blogs, <clears throat> excuse me, into, um, into the headings in the book. And so that was quite a, um, a kind of an ongoing extrovert kind of engaged, used other people a lot. And then I found I had to get away and I had to be uh, my introvert self. I didn't actually know I had an introvert side, but it turns out that I, there's a creative introvert buried in there and she needs absolute <laughs> focus. And I had to leave my family for, <laughs> for sort of two weekends and then a few days in the last summer as well, because that work of of pulling all that stuff together and shaping it into a book, um, I, I just couldn't do on the fly in that same mode. It was like a diff- going into a different mindset almost. It's really interesting. I like to um, I like to put persona sometimes with those with those kinds of, of things, and it sounds to me like with your the the first phase that you're more like a, an explorer, you know, scouting the, the the savannah and seeing what's there and where the edges of the of the map, and then um, you had to turn into uh, an architect, right, where you have all of these ideas, but to actually put them down on, on paper and to put the, the sketch together and the walls are going to go here. And do we go with this design or that, that design or this idea or that one? Um, and I find that that, that a, a book is, is like a, a journey like that, where it's not, um, it's not linear at, at all. In fact, one of the, the, um, the neatest ideas that I, I took from your book, Allison, was uh, your Nautilus shell, right? Where this, you know, you, you start um, in the center and you just, you kind of iterate your way out and, and around. Mm-hmm. And I said, what a what a beautiful example of how I see these kinds of, of books. It's not a, a linear process at all, but it's more a process of, of discovery and and designing and, and building and then erasing and, and going back and, and forth. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you like that. That's spirimirabilis, you know, the, the logarithmic um, spiral. It's, it's, it's such a beautiful thing. And it's what I love about it is it's logical, it's mathematical, it's logarithmic, but it's also organic. So as you say, there's the nautilus shell, but it happens at every scale, you know, the, the nerves in your cornea and the, uh, the, the, the arms of the galaxies, you know, it's kind of embedded in, in, in nature, but it's also very, very logical. I just, I do love that organic thing. And it gives you that sense of just expanding and circling around and and revisiting but also growing each time which i just think is a great image can you would you mind um just digging a little bit deeper into that and showing what is it what does it really look like for for you i mean did you have pieces of, of paper scattered all over the house do you like to keep everything um open on your on your desktop do you um, go between digital and and uh, and analog? What does what does actually writing a book like this? What did it look like in in your journey? I'm laughing because this is exactly the sort of thing I ask people on my podcast, and nobody's <laughs> ever asked me. So I'm, I'm kind of simultaneously thrilled and a bit, a bit nervous. <laughs> But yeah, actually, that's really interesting. I do flip between analog and digital, and I I did the the most creative, you know, from ground zero stuff on post-its because I, I just find a real, and on a big wall, <laughs> I, there's something about the the freedom of that and the, the sort of direct line between your pencil, and it was a pencil, and your brain. And the fact that you can, once you've just brain dumped everything, you can move it around and cluster it and see how it fits together and, and just, you know, move things wholesale. And there's no friction there. Any mind mapping um, software I've ever used gets in the way somehow. 
So I, I still I mind map and I use post-it notes and I, I then the, the post-it notes kind of become the the the, the, the headings, the, the broad sections of the book. Um, I did actually I, I put it together slightly differently. I can't remember how now, but I put the whole manuscript up as a beta and invited everybody in the, in the extraordinary business book club to comment on it, which was terrifying, <laughs> absolutely terrifying. <laughs> but, it was, <laughs> but it was brilliant because somebody said, "Oh, actually, I see it more like this." I, I can't even remember the detail now but it suddenly clicked for me and I shifted the structure slightly and it fell into place so I, I do recommend that it's really terrifying giving your your baby <laughs> to, to anybody it else is. to read but it's always always so useful um, I understand and in fact I, I I try to counsel my my authors to be pretty um careful with with that because especially in the um, in the kind of the it's toddling uh phase. Oh, yeah when it's an ugly baby yes you've got to get it to a certain yeah. scale yeah <laughs> no, it's true, and you, yeah. you know you may know that you have an ugly baby but you can't really take that from from anybody else like it's it's even with a professional um project like this where it's explicitly you know a a business book about business books um, it's still uh, an intensely personal project, isn't it? It is. And when you're writing a book about building your business as a book to build your business, it's also an incredibly uh, kind of <laughs> self-referential. <laughs> I mean, the self-consciousness was crippling, I can't tell you. <laughs> and I was just so aware of all these people looking to me and thinking, oh, if I fluff this up, this is going to be really embarrassing. <laughs> so, yes, there was a lot of that for me as well. <laughs> So, um, well, I guess, how did you, hmm, what's the question I'm trying to ask, Alison? How did, how do you filter the, the, the comments that they, they had? So I imagine that everybody knowing you as, as they do, um, would have been, um, uh, you were you were asking criticism from a warm audience, so I imagine that you, you probably didn't get too many people being blunt. But especially in the early phases, um, and I'll ask this about about your book specifically, and then also for your the the authors that you work with. How do you go about soliciting that feedback? How do you feel like it's at a place where um, some feedback would would help? Yeah. That it would actually make sense, and then how do you, whenever you receive it, how do you gauge whether it's worthy, whether it's um, accurate, whether it's maybe uh, irrelevant? Yeah, that's a great question, and I think it's a gradient. You know, there's they're called beta readers for a reason. You know, they're not alpha readers necessarily. <laughs> I think there's a draft that's just for you, and this is you, you know, shoveling the sand into the pit so you can kind of build something with it. Um, and it doesn't, that, that's the, you know, Ed Catmull's phrase about the ugly baby. You know, the guy at Pixar was saying, right. you've got to be gentle with them at this stage. And I, 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 there was stuff that wasn't ready to show anybody because I was still processing it. And, you know, one of the great revelations for me, and it's, it's a while ago now, but I still, it still hits me anew every time I do it. It's how great a thinking tool writing is. So you can start, I mean, I, when, I think it was, I really discovered this when I did morning pages and you start and you got nothing and you start writing and you're just writing complete drivel. And then suddenly halfway through the second page, you, you've hit gold and you're coming out with really meaningful, intense and helpful stuff. And you think, my goodness, this is incredible. So <laughs> you have to know nobody else is going to read it to to allow yourself to do that. So I think it's really important that you you allow yourself that that phase, the you know, Hemingway's shitty first draft. It's 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 a thing and it's it's real. And you don't give that to people. <laughs> it's you know, not unless right. you really know and trust them and you work really closely together. I didn't. Um when I got to beta stage was when I was like, do you know, I've got this to a point where I could use some input because I, I'm so close to it now, I can't see it anymore. And that, but I'm, it's good enough, it's polished enough, it's ready for someone else to look at. It's not there, but it's getting there. And that was the point at which I put that full beta draft up for people to look at. And I also, I didn't just do that because that was a bit, um, 
open-ended. I mean, I did get some good feedback, but I think I was probably quite lucky. <laughs> but I also actually explicitly sought out and kind of, you know, bribed with wine and coffee a few people that I really <laughs> did trust and value. <laughs> said to them, Look, you know, I really want to get your opinion on this. And I was quite clear about what I wanted from them as well. I think, you know, a lot of um, people tend to say, oh, I've given it to these people to read. But if you haven't given them a steer on what you want from them, they're, they're just going to copy edit it. And that's that's pointless. You know, you've got a copy editor for that. You need to say to them, you look, you know, I, I see you as a potential reader for this. I want you to tell me where you lose the argument, where you get bored, you know, what you don't understand. You know, g- give them things to think about as they read, and then you'll get really valuable feedback. I like that. So being very clear about the kind of feedback that that you're asking for yeah it's like i mean there's um, a thing in the in the book about you know choosing your board almost if you if you think about putting a board together to run a business you you bring in people to fill particular roles with particular skills and, and backgrounds and expertise and and your beta readers are kind of like that you know you want a, a test reader somebody who you you genuinely see as as a target reader maybe you want um you know a peer who can sort of say to you have you thought about this aspect of, of where the discipline's going? Because, you know, I, I don't see it in there. It, you know, you want somebody who's maybe a really strong writer who can give you some feedback on your style and whether you've, you know, put the stuff together properly. I've got a development editor who works at my office on that. So, you know, picking people for specific reasons um, gives them a much more satisfying role and probably gives you much better quality feedback as well. I really like that. I, um, I've never quite thought about it to that extent, I, I usually, you know, I have a place in the in the process where I'll I'll tell the author we need to get a, at least um, someone on the professional side who can you know give honest feedback, candid feedback about you know whatever subject matter um, that we're we're addressing, and then on the personal side, you need to have someone who can read it and say this this sounds like you or you know this this part that that doesn't sound like you. Um, yeah, same. But to actually exactly. flesh it out, well, but I, I like yours. I, I like your your approach because it goes a little bit further than that. It's because it's inviting people um, to be. Um, I like the, the you know kind of the the members of a of a board. I'm creating this business or this organization or or you know whatever it is, and I need to have some some advisors who are going to be invested in the success yeah. of of it and have them have them come in um, earlier, you know, kind of have this, um, this kind of inner circle, if, if you will. That's exactly I right. I yeah. really like that. Yeah. One of my authors uh, took this to the next logical level and she actually got them together. They, they had, I think, three days where they kind of just joined together and they, she, uh, she gave them the early drafts of the books and she asked them, you know, to try out the exercises and stuff. It was a book on visual thinking. So it was, mm-hmm. she actually had people trying out the exercises as she was describing them and seeing what came up for them and, and also getting some stories, you know, getting some examples of how they can work in different businesses it's terrific and i like i like the idea of um of, of asking for that explicit feedback versus um in fact i, I just had this i had a um i guess a colleague of, of mine um ask for uh, feedback on on this this manuscript um and it was you know i what am I trying to say, Allison? It was, I didn't really know him quite well. Um, and I didn't really know his, you know, his, his book. And so I was, you know, reading it quite cold, you know, yeah. versus, you know, having, having been involved in the process. And I think that my feedback, if I would have gotten it earlier and in smaller pieces would have been quite different than me. Um, giving him feedback on an entire manuscript that was basically finished. Mm. I like the idea of of asking them to come in earlier and maybe getting that incremental feedback. You said this particular author of yours, um, she did it. She did it for three days, or she did three different three different sessions. Oh yeah, three different sessions at different stages. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I mean, not everybody can do that. I couldn't get people together in, in the same place. It's logistically, it's too challenging, but she managed it. And I think, yeah, it worked really well for her. Well, but just, just the idea of, of having, you know, a couple of people 
um, even if it's just two or three that come in at an early stage and then maybe, uh, you know, kind of uh, somewhere in the middle and then maybe at towards the, the end. And especially those that you're, you're targeting as, um, as your, your reader, because as a business book, you want to make sure that you're actually giving real value to a real business problem. Absolutely. And, um, and if you can't do that, then, uh, I mean, then what are you doing? And I think often for writers, the problem is they know their topic so well that it's just killing them to keep it down. Uh, you know, less is more, but you, 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 you say something and then you need to back up and explain that. And then, well, there's an exception to that. And, and before you know it, you, you've taken your readers down the rabbit hole and, and you know, with the best intentions. And you need somebody to just say, stop. <laughs> you know? I don't need to know that. Now what I need to know is this. <laughs> and, and you really, those readers are gold. <laughs> yeah. The, the way that I, I, um, the way I try to help my, my authors focus is by going through the, the one reader exercise. Mm-hmm. And this is where I, I tell them to visualize, um, visualize a, a target, uh, an archery target. And you have uh, the bullseye and then you have those two outer rings. So there are plenty of people, you know, that, that are on the target, but who, who is the bullseye that we're, um, that we're aiming for? And once you know the answer to that question, then everything stems from that because it's okay. This is, this is the person we're writing the book for. This is the, their problem that we can solve in, in the book, or at least that we can help them um, make some progress and traction towards. And then how, you know, what's their, What's their background? How do they like to take in, um, you know, information? How do they? All of that stems from that one idea of, of who's my one reader and, and what problem of theirs am, am I solving? Yes, absolutely. And by having these, yeah, and by having these people involved early on, um, you can make sure that you're you're targeting the exact right person and that you're answering the the exact question. But you can get even smarter than that, you see, because if you take that step back and you say, well, hang on a minute, where's my business going and who are the people that I want to reach and I want to work with? And maybe one step beyond the people I'm working with right now and you target them, then getting your stories, doing your research, bringing in your beta readers, all of that grows your business because it's growing your network and it's developing relationships. So it's, right. it's double smart. <laughs> it's the business and the writing, you know, coming together and, and one fueling the other. And I think that that's something that um, I've had a quite difficult time um, articulating, Alison, but you're doing such a, a great job of, of, of saying it, is that the process of writing a business book actually improves your your business it helps you discover things about your business and yourself even that uh, that you didn't know yeah um and there's a I, I hate using the word synergy because it's it's overused but there's um yeah a double smart um a, a squaring or a cubing factor there a, um an exponential factor um and i think that that you know the stories that you've been giving show just how great that that is how doing one can lead to the other yeah we're back to that logarithmic spiral again aren't we <laughs> <laughs> center of the universe the That's secret right. of it all no but it is i mean it just makes so much sense but you know so many people, if you don't do that alignment um you know right back when you're planning your book and then you, you know you're moving down and you're writing this book and it's answering a perfectly valid question, but actually this is not the question that you want to be working with people on, perhaps, <laughs> or you're you're writing for for people who can't afford to buy your services. You know, it, it, it sounds kind of crass and obvious, but thinking about how you want to spend your days and then aligning the book so that the people who are reading the book, when they want more, they have an obvious next step, and you want to step up and deliver that. You know, that's really important. Um, while you were saying that, there was a great question that jumped into my mind. And then as soon as you finished, it jumped straight out. <laughs> Podcasting can do that to you. <laughs> uh, well, and also I haven't had uh, my, uh, my daily quota of coffee for the day yet either. Um, well, here's a, here's a softball question. What, of, uh, what in, in doing this, what surprised you? 
about uh, about this book. Well, what surprised me about me was this creative introvert. I didn't think I had a scrap of introvert in me. I, I am off the scale on the extrovert. <laughs> 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 so that was quite pleasing because I've always secretly wanted to be an introvert. So that <laughs> was quite nice, <laughs> discovering that there is a mode in which I kind of need to just get away from the world. <laughs> She said she's always wanted to be an introvert. <laughs> and it's just so much cooler, aren't I've they? I've never heard that. Well, I guess, I guess. But, uh, you know, for the introverts, we always, uh, you know, we always kind of wish that we had the gift of the gab like uh, like an extrovert. They seem to be the, the life of the party and everybody wants to be around so them. Funny, and then now we find out that the extroverts we just want, want to be, to be like yeah, us, you, the You kind of mean moody key people. You're so cool. <laughs> Like my daughter has this glorious curly hair and all she wants is it to be straight. And I'm, Do you know how many people would pay to have their hair like yours? Just, you know, well, you want what you haven't got, don't you? <laughs> so that, that surprised me and pleased me, I have to say. The other thing that surprised me and was also very pleasing, actually, was just how receptive people are. You know, even incredibly eminent people of whom you've always been in awe, you know, <laughs> when you reach out to them and, and you're writing a book on a, on a subject that interests them, people are so incredibly generous and interested and um, and happy to engage. So that was, um, I kind of knew, I sort of, I'd said that's people, but it still came as a delicious surprise when it happened to me. So that was great. Um, yeah. And I, th- I think that's um, the, the, the fact that I am um, an obliger, you know, Gretchen Rubin's um, tendencies framework. I want to be an upholder. Actually, I'm an obliger. So making myself do it by committing to do it for other people, great trick. I'm not (laughs) proud of that, but it works, you know. Whatever it takes, you have to use every every trick in the book to get it out of your head and onto the Absolutely. It's all fair game. Just whatever, you know, what do they say? There are no rules here. We're trying to get something done. Um, speaking of, of, of people uh, reaching out and people being receptive, I do not mind admitting my outright jealousy of you having Seth Godin endorse your book. That's pretty cool. And and that's kind of what I mean. You know, it took me about a year to reach out to Seth Godin, who was one of the people that I, you know, invented the podcast for, frankly. And during that year, the only, I think the only reason I didn't ask him was that while I hadn't asked him, he hadn't said no yet. And then... <laughs> and my friend Karen, if I don't ask him, he can't right. say no. <laughs> isn't that a bit ridiculous, isn't it? But I think that's the only reason I can I can think of. And then I literally I sent an email and just uh, I I can't remember exactly, what it was, but it was just like, Do you know what? I I'd love to interview. I'm doing this thing. I think you'd be really fun to talk to. I think you'd enjoy it. And um, literally ten seconds later, I got a reply back. Sure, sounds fun. And I sat there just absolutely <gasps> shell-shocked. It was incredible. <laughs> it was the fastest reply I've ever had. Um, and, and he was like, no, well, why would I not? This sounds really interesting. And I thought, well, yeah, why would you not? And actually, even if you hadn't, you know what? Nobody dies. <laughs> so just if you're sitting on something that you should be doing and you're not doing, just flipping do it. <laughs> as long as nobody dies. <laughs> <laughs> this is the great thing about publishing. You know, no matter how badly it goes wrong, generally nobody dies. It's, it's quite a privilege. <laughs> Generally, nobody does. Yeah, but it, it really was oh, a lesson. My... Yeah, it's just you know why? Why did I take so long about that? I can't remember um, who the quote is by. It said, "But uh, what I love about writing is that you don't have to get it right the first exactly. time, unlike Not say like brain, brain surgery." surgery. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, and we stress about it so much. And it's just, you know what? If you get the words wrong. You can go back and rewrite. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, you do only get one chance to, I don't know, make a good impression on Seth Godin when you do have him as a guest on your podcast, I guess. But, <laughs> but you know, even if somebody thinks you're a bit of an idiot, it's really not the end of the world. Um, and, and if you just get over yourself, you'll have a much better time and achieve a lot more, I think. You know, since you since you broached that subject, do you mind if I ask you um, a little bit of a of a personal question? One of the one of the main blocks that I see that um, writers authors have is uh, stems from fear fear of of what other people will think about them, fear of 
of uh, reception fear of of anything along those lines. Do you mind sharing just some more ideas around some of the things that you were afraid of? Kind of some of those personal mental hurdles you had to to get through to get to get the the, the book. Um, sure. I mean, that, that's why I procrastinate for so long with it. It's just, it's just fear, fear of, and again, you know, it's just, it's the Seth Godin principle. You know, while I hadn't published this book, I was still writing a book and, and nobody can criticize you for that, can they? Because it's still, you know, you, you haven't got anything that they can actually look at and criticize. So I was absolutely slave to the fear. Um, and I, I, in the book, there's a, there's a whole section, you know, a note on fear because it's just such a huge thing. So how did I get over it? Well, partly because you, you do it in stages. You say, I'm going to do a podcast and it's quite easy to do that. You know, you can just say it. Then of course you have to do it because you've said you're going to do it. <laughs> and then you have some material and, but you only put it out as blogs first and that's, you know, less of a hurdle. And then you get enough blogs and you start sort of thinking, well, you know, if I were to put it into a book, what would it look like? This is not quite true because I knew I was going to write a book, but you kind of trick yourself all the way along the line by just thinking, well, what would the next right. step would be? Yeah. I'm not going to do it necessarily, but if I were going to do it, what might it look like? Um, and then by a combination of sort of doing that step by step, you do it by doing it, frankly, is, is, is the only answer. Um, and and right. telling people that you're doing it to the point where they're going, where is this book? Um, and then and do you know there's other things as well I think it's an age thing you know I'm, I'm getting on 50 now and there's stuff I I care much much less about what people think about me which is hugely liberating I wish I could have got here in my you know 20s 30s um so that helps and then there's other stuff you know you you I've given birth twice without pain relief. I've run five marathons. I've just done stuff that makes you feel resourceful and strong and, and you can draw on that. So, you know, the stuff you do in your life, the risks you take, the, you know, the adventures you have, all of that I think feeds into going, well, this is just, just another thing, you know, and, and I know what it feels like to be on the other side of a thing that felt impossible. And this is just another one of those. I like the, um, I like the analogies there of the the marathons and the uh, and and you know we've we've already likened the book uh, like and yeah, into a, a baby. They are not so original metaphors, you know, but man, they work. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because they're uh, that's because we keep finding truth in in those, you know, right? My um my wife is uh, she's a midwife her herself, and so I get to hear you know all the the stories, and um, the more that I I listen. The more I realize um, that that uh, that quote is is true, I've got it in in my book. That um, writing a book is the closest that a man will ever come to to childbearing. Yeah, it. And and I mean, look, look, we're, it's not a contest. Y'all win. Like y'all win. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying that. Yeah, thank goodness it, it's, that it's the closest that, that we come because we, you know, you have something inside yes. of it. Yeah. Although you and Semple in, in the podcast we did with him last week, he he was likening writing to a pluke, which is a Scottish word for for a pimple, basically. And and he said he builds up and builds up, and it's just you've got to squeeze it at one point, which I thought was. <laughs> and there's your book. <laughs> there's your book, or at least uh, hopefully that's just the rough draft. Maybe. The... <laughs> and you got to clean it up that's a little right. bit, you know. You at this point, the metaphor up. completely breaks down. <laughs> <laughs> make me laugh. <laughs> um, but thinking thinking back um, to to this other um, uh, colleague of, of mine whose whose book I was I was reviewing, one of the um, one of the things that I kind of pushed back on was um, he was very adamant about having. Uh, um, a very strong outline at the at the beginning, and you know some of the things that you've been saying just in this conversation, Allison, about you know tricking yourself into it and using every tool that you can, and and uh, you know there are no rules. We're just trying to get something built here. I think that that's something that especially people who aren't um, writers or and maybe not even you know creatives. Whenever I say creative, not by nature, but I mean by profession. Um, that they're not used to to delving off, uh, excuse me, diving off into a project that doesn't really have parameters. There aren't really any any rules. And so here's, you know, on the one hand, this one person um, 
I was very adamant about, you know, spending two or three or four weeks on an outline and making sure that everything is, is black and white and very uh, rigid and very defined. And um, I find that the better process is the one that you're describing, where it's much more organic. You're, you know, doing these kind of mind tricks. You know that you're doing the mind tricks, but it kind of works because you're just looking at it out of the corner of, of an eye, whatever it takes to get yeah, it done. Yeah, I have to say, I think creating an outline is is a, a Jedi mind trick. I think that's that's really helpful because you, you can, and again, it's like, it's like a, there's a sort of rhythm to it, isn't there? You know, at the beginning, you, you, it is, it's the pluke. It's the, you're just, you know, brainstorming stuff. You're getting stuff down as much as you can. And there's not much structure to it. But then you kind of have to step back. And this is where the, the post-its come in really handy. And then I, you can only get so far like that, I found. Then, like, then I think you right. need a structure and you need a framework. And it shouldn't be, it's not rigid. It's not like a, um, a, a straight jacket right. for you. But what it is, is this kind of flexible, organic thing that you can actually start putting your content into that will hold it and and keep it there while you do something else and and I think that if you haven't got that framework and you you haven't kind of satisfied yourself that that there is a kind of logic and a progression to this and a, and, a, and a balance between the parts I think you probably run out of steam quite quickly so it's it's about getting aware I think of of when it will serve you to draw back and and think about the meta story of your book, about the structure and about the, the balance of the parts and and maybe start thinking, you know, bullet pointing what you're going to put in each one. And then when it's best to take your foot off the brake, if you like, and just dive in and, and, and discover what you want to say by writing it, because these are all different modes and they're all different tools in your toolkit. So just using one of them, you know, it's crippling. You, you, getting the confidence of when to use each one and, and how to fit them together. I think that's that's the trick. Yeah, and I think that that you're saying beautifully what I I couldn't quite communicate to him, which is the idea that um, uh, of your framework has to be, or your structure, or your outline, or whatever you know uh, word yeah, you want to attach to it. It has to a working table of contents. I like that. Um, it has to be flex. You have to let it breathe. Things have to. You have to have an ebb and flow. Right. So there are some things that you're going to put down that um, are going to be the, uh, you know, kind of the, the the edges of the map, if you will. But then there are going to be some places that you're you're building something that it just doesn't work, and you realize that this whole section doesn't belong in this book. It belongs somewhere yeah, else. And do you know what? That's a, and that's you have an to be okay with well. taking the scalpel and yeah, and you need somewhere to put that, that stuff. Yeah. And that's uh, that's uh, I couldn't communicate that to to him. That you can't that rigidity. You called it a straitjacket. It's it, it is. It's it's crippling. It it handicaps you and 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 your book. Yeah, absolutely. And if you've got a file of stuff that's not for this book, but you don't want to lose, that's really helpful because it means you can you can put it there and and then you can forget it because you know it doesn't. It's not going to be forgotten. <laughs> you can focus on what's in front of you. But it's so true because what's <laughs> not in your book is as important as what's in there. You know, you, you use that word, the edges of it, and I think that's really important. And the working table of contents helps you say what's in scope and what's out of scope. Um, and that's really important. Otherwise, you're just never going to finish. And once you have a working table of contents and you think, okay, if this book's going to be 50,000 words, I've got 10 chapters, that means they're all roughly 5,000 words. And I've got, you know, 10 sections in this. So they're each roughly 500. I mean, you can rob Peter to pay Paul, but you've got a sense of what you're aiming for. And, you know, frankly, when you've finished, <laughs> if you've if you've written 500 words and you haven't touched the subject yet, you better change it now <laughs> before you've written 25,000 words and got yourself into a hole. <laughs> Follow down, exactly. down the rabbit hole. There are so many rabbit holes along the way for writing a book. So many. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stop and chase the white rabbits. You just, you'll never come out again. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, too much fun. Um, but you know, I've I've I find that you you and I can laugh about it because we we've done it enough that we've got confidence that things are going to turn out okay. We we know that there is a, a light at the end of the of the tunnel. I think for people, especially, I find um a lot of business people um who are 
a bit more cut and, and dry. It's a bit terrifying for them to trust the creative process, to, to you know, get in this car with no idea of, um, I don't want to say no idea where it's going to go. You know, you're heading west and you know, you're, you, have, you know kind of where you want to land. But all the different routes and detours and, and roadblocks and, and stops uh, that, that can happen between point A and point B, um, it's, it takes some – it takes a bit of a faith to believe that, that it's, uh, you're going to arrive where you're supposed to, even if you don't have uh, you know, Google Maps directing you at, at every turn. But if you're doing it on your own and you've never done it before, that probably is quite misplaced faith because it probably just won't happen. I think if it, you know, so many people <laughs> want to write a book and only a tiny proportion of them actually do it. True. And, then, and if, if you're, if you're a business person, there's no reason why you should be an expert author. I mean, you know, that's not what you do. Why on earth should you be expert at writing? So that's why you, you know, you call in a book coach or a, or a ghostwriter and you said, you know what, this is important to me. This is what I want to say. I need help. You know, you wouldn't, build your own website you get a web designer in to do it because they'll do it better and faster and you know it's, it's the same sort of thing isn't it you, you, you get the right help on board i do think though that there's something about writing even if you don't share it even if what you write you then kind of pass to a development editor to, to, to shape it for you that process is, is so important in developing your own voice and your own sense of what you're saying and and actually your own intellectual property you know creating um, a, a model or, or a, a taxonomy or, or even a, just a vocabulary around what it is that you're putting into the world. You know, writing a book can really help with that. And then that feeds into everything you do, you know, your, your, your training, your consulting, whatever it is, if you've got that distinctive model, that's the sort of thing that um, it's hard to delegate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, not I think, I know, Alison, you're, you're, you're right. I was, I guess I was, I was projecting, actually. I'm thinking about whenever I, as, as a business ghostwriter, work with business authors, that it's, it's hard for them, it's hard for them to accept, you know, whenever, especially whenever we see it. How do you say the Scottish pluk. word again? A, a pluk. Pluk. A pluk. You're good. Pluk. Very good. Whenever, you know, we can't, we got started. <laughs> we get started and they see the pluk. It's uh, so it's, it's a little scary for them, and I have to kind of hold their hand and 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 um, you know, even if I don't have the answers to try to project, not to project to try to um, help them understand that it's it's the the creative process is inherently chaotic. There is some some chaos, um, and and trying to communicate that ebb and flow that we have to have a. Uh, a, you know, an outline, a, a sketch that kind of tells us where we're going. But at the same time, we have to be ready to discover things along the way, discover things about their business, discover things about them, discover who their, their reader is, find a, a better way to communicate um, their, the messages than, than what we had originally intended. And that that's all part of the, of the process. But you're, but you're exactly right that you, you can't expect that to happen um, the first time you, you do something like that, which is why it's important to have someone who not only knows what they're doing, but has the, I guess it's important. And this sounds totally self-serving for, um, for, for both of us, but it's my podcast. <laughs> so I guess that's okay. Um, it's, it's important to find a professional who can have a foot in both camps who knows enough to know when things are getting off the rails and how to, you know, make sure that we stay on the, on the target. Um, and so have some structure and, and some, some, uh, parameters and boundaries there. But on the other hand, to also be creative enough to allow, you know, these new discoveries to come in and, and, you know, to take the scalpel and remove some things and, and uh, color in, or color outside the lines elsewhere. Just so to have that that chaos and um, and control, um, and being able to hold it in both hands without losing either of, of them. And of course, you don't write the book in isolation because all the time you're writing, it's sort of re- reflective practitioner approach, isn't it? You're you're also working in the day job and you're having new conversations and and, and you're moving your yeah. thinking along. So there's got to be a sense in which that that feeds back into the book as well. And you might find that actually there are swathes of the book that 
you know, you had to write to get here, but now you don't need them anymore. And that's good too. It's not wasted. Right. I love that. I, I genuinely don't think that anything Alison, is um, wasted. This... I just think that, that there's something about the, the process of doing it, the engagement, no. the, the creativity, and, and also the, the discipline. It's, it's like being able to unwind your thought, isn't it? And a thought comes and it's gone in a second. But there's something about writing that allows you to kind of bring that Promethean fire down and, and put it onto the page. And, and so much of it is, is, is garbage, but, it, but it's necessary garbage because at the end of it, there's the insight, there's the gold, you know? So no matter how much you throw away of your writing, it was never wasted. Right. Alison, this, this has to be one of the most poetic podcast interviews I've never been I've, accused I've of poetry before. That's brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> um. This has been this has been neat. Um, I've learned quite a few things, which is always uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Delightful. I um, I love working uh, talking shop with with other professionals and seeing how you know, kind of getting a, a look at their workbench, right? To see how you do things, kind of to secretly spy on on you. And uh, you have been quite open about uh, how you work magic with the people that you work with. And I appreciate you being so open and honest about um, not only your work with them, but especially about your, your work with uh, your own book. This oh, book you're very welcome. Business. And I have to say, it's an absolute delight to talk to you as well, Derek. I sort of know known of you for so long, but it's, it's lovely to finally talk to you. So thank you for having me on the show. It's my absolute pleasure. Um, so, Alison, tell us, um, tell us where you are. Tell us where your podcast is and tell us uh, what's in, in the future for okay, you. Okay, well, there's there's three sites. Um, for me, it's www.alisonjones.com and you can pretty much find links to most other stuff there. But the the show, the podcast is extraordinarybusinessbooks.com. That's the Extraordinary Business Book Club. And if you like it, if you want to hang out with us, we've got a Facebook group as well. It'd be great to have you in there. And also my publishing house is Practical Inspiration Publishing. So practicalinspiration.com. And um, so I'm, I'm primarily a publisher. That's kind of what I've been all my life and I've segued into this um, going upstream with people and, and getting their um, their strategy and their business aligned and supporting them through the writing and then publishing them and then supporting them afterwards as well. So it's a, it's a much more satisfying approach to publishing than in my traditional publishing corporate days, I have to say. I imagine, yeah, you get to, to be there from uh, from conception yeah, to, to graduation. That, that childbirth thing again. No, it's it's great. <laughs> and if you if you're a Twitter person, I'm at Books to the Sky. So do come and say hello. Alison, I certainly appreciate it. And um, again, thank you so much for putting uh, you know all of these years of experience into um, another business book. Excuse me, one of the one of the few now books out there on how to to write business books. We um, we desperately need. Uh, more of it because uh, there's and we didn't even get to this and maybe this is another podcast but uh, I I love business books I love the potential that they they hold and it hurts my heart whenever I read a business book that yeah. could have been wonderful and it just it's it's not because who knows for all the reasons why but I'm I'm glad that that um, that those authors or the the ones who follow in their footsteps have uh, another awesome resource to to turn to to get um, ideas on how they're supposed to take uh, all of this great information and insights and expertise and uh, and share it with yeah. the with the world. Well, I, that's I appreciate you. you. Um, there was a great phrase from Daniel Priestley, actually, at the, the Business Book Awards in March. He, he was giving the keynote speech and he said, um, do you know, the world doesn't need more books. Although, honestly, I think I disagree with him here. But anyway, he said the world doesn't need more books, but it needs more authors. And I think that's something to, to sort of, you know, finish it down as well. Is that, you know what, when you write a book, you become an author and that's just as important and just as significant. Isn't that great? Oh, that's a beautiful sentiment. That is. All right, Alison. Thank you so much again. This has been seriously. This has been a pleasure. You're a very welcome. Pleasure. Thank you, Derek. Goodbye.
Bye-bye.